Hello, everyone. We are so excited to announce this year's Principles to Practice Summit on Montessori and Ecological Consciousness. Join us for this transformative summit, which brings together experts, scientists, activists, and educators to explore how Montessori education can nurture environmental stewardship in our students and cultivate a generation of sustainability leaders. Our lineup of speakers, including our keynote speaker, Robin Wall Kimmerer, will present practical strategies for seamlessly integrating Montessori principles with sustainable practices, empowering educators to foster environmentally aware and socially responsible learners. The summit will run June 17th through 19th, but tickets are available now. Head over to courses.trilliummontessori.org for more information. I'm Simi Abdullah, and I'd like to welcome you to Trillium Montessori Talks, the podcast where we dig into the theory and application of Montessori methodology in the classroom and beyond. This podcast is produced in cooperation with Letty Rising and other Trillium course creators. Our goal is to provide you with a weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can optimize the classroom experience for your students and yourself. Ready? Let's talk Montessori. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Montessori Talks. My name is Letty Rising, and today's podcast episode is going to be on... How do we know when elementary students are ready for abstraction? So one of the most inviting aspects of the Montessori approach is our beautiful materials. Other than the idea of following the child, these enticing materials are one of the main reasons why people are often drawn to Montessori environments in the first place. And how could anyone refuse these beautiful, sometimes delicate, and always carefully crafted materials? They are a delight to the senses and appeal to many people who look back on their own educational journey and want something different for their children, something other than what most of us had, which was sitting in rows of desks with the teacher as the sage on the stage using a pencil and paper to compute math problems that we often didn't fully understand, but hoped to get right by some sort of formula or sequence. In truth, I personally didn't even understand the concept that a square root was just the amount of one side of a square until I took my Montessori training, where my mind was blown wide open. So when do we move to abstraction? At what point do we do that? Let's say you're humming along as a first-year teacher, or maybe even a second or third-year teacher, or even beyond. You've mastered your lessons, you've presented them to the children, and the children are repeating the work. But one day, you notice that many of the children who are working on the checkerboard, for example, have been using it for a long while, And it's dawned on you that most traditional students would be tackling this work on pencil and paper by now, and that you're not quite sure when to introduce the paper and the pencil. 
you scour your albums and you don't see anywhere that indicates after how long the students use the materials that they should move on to abstraction. So like many aspects encountered in the Montessori approach, the response to such dilemmas can often be, it depends. Passage to abstraction can happen after a child has worked with a material for a couple of days, for a week, for several weeks, or even for months. The younger the elementary child, the more likely they will be spending a longer amount of time with the materials. However, it doesn't mean that because the upper elementary children can arrive at abstraction more quickly, that you want to rush aside or even brush off the materials. Older children find squaring, cubing, non-decimal bases, and powers of numbers, just to name a few, to be endlessly fascinating with the materials. And while some people might think of squaring to be a material designed for older children, the earlier squaring lessons are perfect for children around the ages of eight to nine, for example. And it offers an additional opportunity for them to repeat multiplication and aid in memorization of multiplication facts. What would be more fun, practicing with squaring material or using graph paper to create colorful squares or filling out a multiplication worksheet? So I think it's no contest because practicing with the material is amazing. And even those little, even using graph paper and colored pencils can be a lot more fun than just filling out a worksheet and writing down numbers that you've calculated in your mind. So let's look at some signs that a child is ready to abstract a concept. Here's one. The child is consistently completing problems using materials with a great deal of accuracy. So what would be considered a great deal? I would say about an 85% accuracy or better is pretty much a good rule of thumb and the ability to apply provided strategies to overcome consistent errors. For example, it might be that the child understands the work conceptually, but they are making minor computational errors. Showing them how to slow down and check their work when finished, and also seeing them demonstrate backtracking when a mistake has been made and being able to correct it while getting most of the other problems correct is a good sign that they can confidently start moving to abstraction. Another sign would be that the child has been repeating the concept on the materials for some time and has expressed or demonstrated boredom. It's important to note that while the child might be bored with the material, this may not be a sign that they're ready for abstraction, but that they are tired of doing the same thing over and over again. This is why in elementary, we have repetition through variety. For example, children learning long multiplication have repeated experience with the large bead frame, the checkerboard, the flat bead frame, the elementary bank game. Maybe a child has gotten tired of the large bead frame or the checkerboard. Have you ever showed them the flat bead frame? There's no need for the child to use every single material that involves multiplication. Children often have their favorites and they might be ready for abstraction after using their favorite or another one or two favorites for a period of time. Or they might be ready for an, a different material to give them that repetition through variety experience. 
As always, observe your students and talk with them. Another sign that a child is ready for abstraction is that the child expresses an interest in working out problems abstractly. If the child asks to compute problems on pencil and paper, let them try. You will want to model this, which I'll be explaining in a little while. If they are asking to work abstractly, then try it. The worst that can happen is that the child needs more time with the materials and they will experience firsthand by their initial stab at abstraction that they need to work hands-on a bit more. So let's talk about a step between concrete and abstract. Some of the math lessons offer that step between concrete and abstract. Using graph paper to color the geometric form of multiplication is an example of that. Also, squaring using graph paper is a delightful activity that serves as a bridge between the squaring material and paper and pencil equations. Is it okay that children are working abstractly with one math concept while still working with the materials on other concepts? Absolutely. In fact, you'll want to resist that mindset of, I can't move forward with teaching Johnny new lessons until he's mastered addition with the stamp game. This is an old paradigm way of thinking of math, that the child has to perfect one area before moving on to another, and it can in fact kill motivation. Different strands of math are often presented simultaneously, and while you want to maintain the sequence within a strand, like for example... The child would need to master division with a one-digit divisor before you move them on to a two-digit divisor. Students can simultaneously be working on different math topics and at various levels of abstraction. So let's talk about how to demonstrate moving into abstraction. Teach them how to abstract by matching the paper process to the corresponding material. For example, if you are helping them abstract for addition, You can pull out the stamp game and a piece of paper, and every step you do with the stamp game, you can then record on paper. When you are exchanging, you can say something like, here I have 16 units, and remember that whenever I have 10, I need to exchange those units for 110. And now on my paper, I'm going to write this number one on the top of my tens column, which is the same thing as me adding another 10 to the stamp game. Talk through every step as you align the material to the algorithm, point to it, show them the relationship between what you're writing with pencil and what you are putting or moving with the stamps. So there are a few important points you're going to want to consider when moving from the concrete materials to abstract algorithms Some children will move more quickly to abstraction and then return to the materials for advanced applications of previously mastered or abstracted concepts. They may be going back and forth, and most of them probably will be going back and forth, and that's perfectly fine and expected. Understanding exchanges requires working with a wide range of materials. Elementary children can find working with the stamp game to become quite tedious, and they might be craving abstraction, but not yet ready for it. The dot game, often introduced in a three to six classroom, but works quite well for the younger elementary child, can be a helpful bridge towards abstraction. 
When moving to abstraction, sometimes a whiteboard and markers is a wonderful first step before using pencil and paper. I'm not sure if it's the ability to easily erase or it's the beautiful colors or maybe the smells of the markers, but children can hardly ever resist using whiteboards and markers and often will be drawn to an activity if there happens to be a whiteboard and marker to be used. So an important thing also to think about is, and this is sort of, I guess, the final thing that I wanted to mention on this topic is that abstraction is the end goal. It's important to remember that the materials serve the child and not the other way around. Maria Montessori designed several math materials to demonstrate a single concept because the elementary child has lost the desire to repeat something to the point of perfection. The materials give us an opportunity to say, let me show you something new while you're still demonstrating the same concept. And while these materials are beautiful and they are useful and they are helpful, the most important thing to remember is that they are an aid to the child's development. They are a starting point and not the final destination. We want elementary children to move through the materials with interest and delight and also to leave the classroom with the capability to work out math problems abstractly with a conceptual understanding that was developed through experiential practice with the Montessori math materials. So that's what we want them to do. And that means that they will be using the materials and that we eventually want them to move away from those materials and be making these calculations in their minds. And that's going to first happen for them when they are reflecting on how they manipulated the materials with their hands. And then they're going to have that in that they're going to have that image that they can bring forth in their mind at the outset. And eventually, it's going to be a very abstract notion for them, and they're going to be performing calculations without even thinking about the materials that were in there that they had in their minds previously. So abstraction is where we want them to go. And these materials, these beautiful materials lend themselves to helping students develop their powers of abstraction, and they evoke the imagination. And we are so lucky in Montessori education that we have these concrete materials for students to use so that they don't start right away with abstraction like they do in many traditional settings. You know, students are calculating numbers on paper and pencil, and they don't really know what those numbers mean a lot of times because they haven't had the real concrete experience with how to do math with the Montessori math materials, for example. But even when we're talking of doing stories about parts of the leaf or parts of the root, we even have our charts as materials that spark their imagination and give them a picture in their mind that they can understand conceptually and that helps be a bridge to the abstract thought in scientific learning. So with that, abstraction is where we want to go with the children, but it takes some time. You will be offering them many steps along the way. There will be bridges to abstraction, 
and you don't want to rush it too fast, but nor do you want to keep them on those materials longer than they need to be. And so the key to knowing when to move them to abstraction more than anything that I've mentioned thus far is observation. Observe your students, see where they're at, and that's going to help you know what they need to do next. And that's going to then help you make plans for them going forward. I hope you enjoyed this Montessori Talks podcast, and I look forward to having you join me in another podcast session. Thanks for tuning in to Trillium Montessori Talks. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love the practical and actionable classroom management advice in the Montessori Principles to Practice webinar libraries. Head to trilliummontessori.org forward slash podcast for details and to learn about all the ways we can help you optimize your Montessori work. We'll be back soon with more Montessori inspiration. In the meantime, please help other Montessori guides find this podcast by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast listening platform. Thank you for being a part of the Trillium community.